Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of Talking Tolkien. Today we're going to be discussing chapter 4 of book 2 of the Two Towers, wow that's not right, nope. <laughs> of The Return of the King, uh, which is entitled The Field of Cormallon. So as always, uh, we're going to pop up with Katie, who is going to give us the elvish word of the day and a little factoid that we like to call On This Day in Middle Earth. Now, normally, we would then head over to Chase, who would quickly recap the events of last week's readings. However, if you listen to this podcast every week, you will recall that I missed last week, so I'm going to take over uh, like I usually do in this circumstance. So, today is Thursday, September 8th. Katie, you want to take us away? Yes, and before I jump in, I apologize in advance for the way that I sound this week. I have some sort of sinus infection grossness. Thank you, start of school. Uh, But anyway, today is September 8th, and on this day in Middle-earth, or actually this past week in Middle-earth, on the 5th in the year 2941, so once again back in The Hobbit, uh, Gandalf is at the White Council. Um, And then uh, the next couple of days, on the 6th, fast forward to the year 3018, Frodo is preparing to leave Bag End. On the 7th, let's go back to 2941, and Bilbo finds Thorin's cell in Mirkwood. And finally, today on the 8th, in the year 2941, again with the Hobbit events, uh, again the White Council is meeting, and Saruman has agreed to an attack on Dol Guldur, as Gandalf had proposed. So there we have it. So, uh, for Elvish word of the day, I chose a word, uh, a kind of a cop-out word. Sometimes I do that. Today, the word that I chose is Kormalen, which is in our <laughs> chapter title. Yes, it is. Uh, and it's a Sindarin noun, meaning golden circle. Oh, that makes sense then. Oh, right. yeah. Oh, Okay. How about them circles of gold, huh? <laughs> I picked quite a normal, boring chapter to skip. Nothing really to talk about. Nothing to mention. Nothing momentous. Um, oh, oh wait. Well, it is titled Mount Doom. <laughs> so uh, what happened last week? Uh, the ring got destroyed. Holy crap. That happened. But n- only took... Oh, sorry? Oh, I was going to say, but not just in any way, though. <laughs> Well, yes, but I'm going to quickly go through the chapter and just touch upon my highlights um, for you, for you all. So, Sam, two weeks ago we talked about how Frodo was losing hope, and now Sam is kind of losing hope too. And the only thing really that he can he can think of is like, man, like I want to see Bywater, and I want to see Rosie Cotton, and I want to see the gaffer, and it's just like everything seems to have gone downhill since Gandalf died in Moria. So, at this point, yes, Frodo and Sam, it's easy to forget that they do not know that Gandalf is alive, but that is still the case. Then, uh, at one point, they're walking up the mountain, and Sam's like, you know what? We're basically going to die, so let's just cast aside everything we don't need. And it was like, fine. And then Sam had to throw away his cooking equipment and started to cry. And and so did we. (laughs) Made uh, me cry, yes, too. Made Chase cry, too. That's the sammiest moment of all time. And Sam was like, oh, you remember that rabbit? And Frodo's like, no, I don't really remember anything anymore. It's like, I know it existed, but I don't know. <laughs> uh, so then uh, Frodo took most of his clothes off and 
Frodo now being like super emaciated that elven cloak just doesn't fit on him. So what does Sam do? He takes his precious elven rope and cuts it to pieces to use to tie the cloak around Frodo. So uh, Sam is really just kind of fully suffering right now. Uh, and basically the only thing that Sam brings is like the one piece of Limbus they have left, the one swallow of water they have left, Sting, and the two gifts from Galadriel, the file for Frodo, and one that we have not thought about in a long time, the little box of soil that Galadriel gave him. So they get to the top of Mount Doom. They're attacked by Gollum on the way. Yes. Sam, yeah. uh, Sam at one point has to carry Frodo, and then Sam repulses Gollum, and then Frodo kind of disappears. And Sam gets to the top of, uh, or I mean, Frodo gets to the, to a an entrance into the side of the mountain. So this is while Sam is kind of fighting Gollum. And then, oh yeah, this great moment happened where Sam was watching Frodo and Gollum fight. And there for a moment, Sam had this vision of Frodo uh, as a said before him stood it stood stern untouchable now by pity a figure robed in white but at its breast it held a wheel of fire out of the fire there spoke a commanding voice be gone and trouble me no more if you touch me ever again you shall be cast yourself into the fire of doom now curious that sam has this vision where Gollum is being told that he shall be cast into the fire of doom because what then happens oh yeah uh Frodo runs up the mountain while Sam takes care of Gollum. Then Sam gets to the top of the mountain, sees Frodo there. Frodo immediately is like at the, Frodo's like at the end of this like cave that's been born through. And then Frodo turns back to Sam and looks at Sam and says, "Well, we're at the end of our journey, but, but I, I can't I've do it. I've chosen not to end it for the reasons we came." Yep. <laughs> and then slips the ring on, and Frodo disappears, faded black. No, actually, uh, immediately then Gollum smashes. Sam's head against the wall and runs up and Sam kind of comes to and sees Gollum fighting with an invisible force. And then he sees Gollum do something we know Gollum loves to do, which is bring something to his mouth and bite on it with his glee. And then Gollum is waving a finger around that has the ring and says, my precious. And as Gollum's dancing around, he falls over backwards and flies down into the depth. Uh, so refer back to two pages previously where Sam had this vision where, where the ring told Gollum, uh, if you touch me, you're going to end up at the, 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 the mountains or the fires of doom. Well, Gollum touched the ring and ended up at the fires of doom. However, what, what went with him, but uh, the ring itself. So yeah, things kind of went crazy. Other moments to touch upon quickly when Frodo put the ring on Sauron, obviously his attention was drawn right there. And Sauron realized like, oh my God, I'm, I'm such a fool. I let them yeah. distract me. This was their plan the whole time. <laughs> and so he like desperately sends the, the Nazgul over. But, you know, clearly the ring falls into the lava and it is implied that the ring is destroyed because then the mountain kind of goes kaboom. And Frodo now only has nine fingers and Sam grabs Frodo and like kind of drags him out. And is like, we have to get far away. And Frodo's like, why? And Sam is like, well, I don't know, but we have to. We, you know, not even like confronting whatever. Yeah. Uh, uh, hope anymore. And then Frodo, well, Sam looks at Frodo and sees that he's Frodo again. He's not like ring bearer Frodo. He's like Frodo Frodo. And Sam is just like uncontrollably happy. And then, uh, and then Sam 
looks at Frodo and is like, oh, your poor hand. And I have nothing to bind it with or comfort it. I would have spared a whole hand of mine rather. But he's gone now. Blah, blah, blah. And I think this actually happens in the next chapter. We're going to talk about this now. Because then they're like lying side by side. And Sam is like, yeah, wow, yeah. this is crazy what happened to us. Do you think people are going to tell the story? Frodo the nine-fingered? I'm like, Sam, way to rub it in. Uh, no. Anyway. So then, then they're just kind of like <laughs> lying there. Hey, we don't like, know if we're going to be Everything is just anymore. kind of falling apart and being destroyed. And then Frodo kind of meekly turns to Sam and says, do you remember Gandalf's words? Even Gollum may have something yet to do. And then it's like, if, if Gollum didn't bite my finger off, I wouldn't have been able to complete my, I wouldn't have been able to complete my, 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 my request. And then he says one last thing. The quest is achieved. Now all is over. I'm glad you were here with me here at the end of all things, Sam. In book. We don't need more. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> That is definitely the chapter. It's no, the, but that is the end of the chapter. So now we come to chapter four, the field of Cormallon. Cormallon? Cormallon. Wait, didn't we discuss the word core a couple weeks ago? Yep. yep. So wait, what, what, what did it mean? Ring. Cormallon is golden ring. Ring. Uh, Cormallon right, okay. is golden circle, right? Golden did I just circle. say? Yeah, golden circle. Yep. I gave you I gave you core from Cinderin and then another word in uh, Quenyan that I forget uh, now, but it uh, meant ring. Cool. All right. Well, I just talked myself off. Chase, you want to you wanna start us off this? Yeah. Well, right off the bat, what was interesting was uh, the this chapter picks up where the last book ended. Yeah. Um, so it, it cuts back to the captains of the West. Yeah, captains of the West <laughs> in the middle of their fight as suddenly, well, Gandalf and company note the eagles and we have a great description of a well, great first, reminder of the eagles before but, before we get to first, that though <laughs> i want it there are some images that i just adore um so yeah uh they're in the middle of the onslaught of mordor basically and and oh, there's, yeah, this, there's yeah. these great images of uh, particularly i like the one of aragorn and uh the way that his eyes look and it's uh that Aragorn's eyes gleamed like stars that shine the brighter as the night deepens, which is just a perfect, perfect image for what is happening uh, at this moment in the text, because, again, they're still in the thick of it. Um, the, you know, the, the, the moment hasn't quite come yet. It's about to. But Aragorn, so his, his Aragorn's eyes like Aragorn himself and like the rest of the fellowship I think and like the rest of this final you know host of men led and 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 free peoples led by the captains of the west are like shining through this dark dark night and I just really I have always like liked a, that image I mean the image that came to me uh, like I mean With all the language that Tolkien's using right here, it's very much like Aragorn is this like statue, yeah, caught in uh, a storm or a flood of sorts, yeah, which kind of really like relates thing, right back. The really weird thing here, though, is that not only were Aragorn's eyes shining like stars, but in in this moment, he actually had had seven eyes, and they were all stars <laughs> on the <laughs> And that tree was growing out of his no. head. But additionally, uh, so before we get to this great greatness of the eagles, we also have this image of Gandalf, who is standing there, of course, resplendent in white. And uh, it should be noted that no shadow falls on Gandalf, uh, which I'll talk about that at the end of the episode. Because so, he's, 
Yeah, no shadow. Is it because he's radiating? Oh, I'm not. We'll get to it at the end of the episode. Yeah, yeah, that'll be important later on. But this moment when those eagles. Exactly. The th- what is it? This like the and, fourth time. And who time? is it that first notices the eagles and leads the cry? The eagles are coming. It's Gandalf, isn't yes. it? Yeah, it's radiant. Yeah. Gandalf. Yep. Uh, or in this case, maybe since he's so radiant, it's more appropriate to call him Mithrandir. Yeah. 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 Because what else is radiant but Mithril? Right. Is it Mithrandir? Yeah, it's probably Mithrandir then. Um, I'm sure we've discussed this before. So. What did the eagles do? What are they there for? Well, they immediately swoop in and attack the Nazgul, riding over the battle upon the fell beasts. And then this is when stuff starts to happen like super quickly because, you know, we this entire book, meaning Return of the King, but also Lord of the Rings, has been building up to this moment. And then, you know, the first three chapters of book two we got these kind of synchronization moments that we'd never got before so it's kind of like ratcheting up being like oh my god time's catching up thing is gonna happen you know yeah so like basically the uh the eagles come in and start attacking people and like i was starting start attacking nazgul and like the men of the west get really excited and then all of a sudden like like two minutes later you know almost immediately uh the nazgul turn around and fly so this is our cue then. I mean, also this takes place immediately after the chapter in which the ring is destroyed. But this is our cue. This is another synchronization moment of like, oh, this is when Frodo pushed the ring on. And Sauron's like, oh my God, the Nazgul have to go there now. Yeah. yeah. Something has happened. And then there's even, this- like, there's even like a, there, there's like a moment where like suddenly a terrible call out of the dark tower. And even at that moment, all the hosts of Mordor trembled, doubt clutching their clutch, their hearts, their laughter failed where suddenly I imagine like all the orcs and everyone's going, Oh no. Well, yeah. And it's because the, the dark Lords, the dark Lords not in a good mood either. Yeah. And it's again, it's, it's no, it's, it's, it's because, so this power that's been kind of propelling them seems to be gone. Or, or diminishing, and now they're all they're left with is fear, which is pretty great. Well, this uh, actually hasn't happened yet. What happens is the Nazgul flee, and then Gandalf sees this and kind of rallies everybody up, and he was like, Gandalf says, stand, men of the West, stand and wait. This is the hour of doom. Basically, like, Gandalf says, like, hour of doom, and then, like, rumbling and cracking start to happen, <laughs> and Gandalf says, like, mmm, and then the towers of teeth fall over, and, like, the Black Gate just, like, kind of, crumbles into non-existence yeah well then and, good job team let's go so, home all right Gandalf good. says <laughs> the, the realm of sauron is ended the ring bearer has fulfilled his quest uh and then they see kind of this like huge kind of pillar of like shadow and darkness come out of mordor and then like wind comes and just kind of like sweeps it away mm-hmm. and that then, was a great image by the way that yeah. was an excellent interesting yeah, image. And, that. and then and, and, this and, is when all of the kind of wind falls out of the foes and it's it, it even says like uh like ants when the, uh their queen dies like yeah they're wandering aimless suddenly the, because what Unlike the the armies of the West, the the armies of Mordor were not fighting together for a common purpose. They were rather fighting because they were kind of bound in servitude to the will of Sauron. They were pawns, and I wanna I wanna talk about that for a minute. That in in conjunction with this uh, conjunction this, junction, what's <laughs> your function? <laughs> but uh, but this uh, this s- scattering of these armies in conjunction with the this shadow 
dissipating so quickly in the wind. And, um, I mean, you know, like, like you said, that, that there's this great contrast between this alliance of the free peoples of Middle Earth. Uh, what are they fighting for? You know, they're fighting for a, for a reason. They've come together to, to fight for the fate of the world, right? Uh, and conversely... Uh, the armies of Mordor are kind of running amok now and like like ants kind of skittering around some of them even killing themselves and some of them hiding and some of the the Haradrim and the Easterlings were uh, uh, trying to fight still but uh, the hold that was there is completely gone and it shows it's 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 just this great contrast between what holds together the free peoples of Middle Earth, and what failed to hold together the armies of Mordor, which was this, um, you know, at at the time seemed like this all 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 consuming hand reaching over them, right? But it's gone. I don't know. I just like it. Did it say a direction where the wind was coming from, by any chance? I'm reading this section over again right now, and I'm not seeing because I kind of would have it felt like Tolkien would have this moment, and a wind from the from west <laughs> came in, you know, or something like that. No, it just says, for even as it leaned over them, a great wind took it, and it was all blown away and passed, mm. and then a hush fell. But yeah, it's just the point that a wind blew it but away. But I feel like it was the wind from the west. It could have been. That would have been hilarious. Well, not really hilarious. It would have just been just like fitting. Ah, ah, <laughs> fitting. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, so there go the armies of Mordor running, uh, uh, like like uh, you know, running, running, running like a constipated wiener dog. Uh, what? <laughs> it's, that... it's the line from the song Albuquerque by Weird uh-huh. Al. Oh, yep. that's right, that's right, that's right. <laughs> but 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 yes, a lot of chaos, a lot of crazes is happening. Where they're like, oh, okay, good, we're good, we're good. Dark Lord seems to be done. Everything. However. I'm about to sneeze. Sorry. Um, however, <laughs> Gandalf is of the mindset still that I did send a couple hobbits into the middle of that mess. Oh, yeah. And they deserve at least a fighting chance to get out of there. So, Eagles, um, help. <laughs> I need your help one more time. Yeah. Well, so Gandalf flags Gwai here. And Gandalf's like, sorry, you've done this for me twice. I need another favor. And Gwaihir is like, I will bury you as many times as need be, even if you were made of stone. Nah. And can we just pause for a moment and appreciate this fact that, you know, because they talk about it, you know, the last time that Gwaihir uh, had carried Gandalf um, was w- bringing him from death to life. Uh, yeah. Or bringing him to, yeah. Uh, taking him from uh, Xerox Eagle. And so now Gandalf is asking Gwaihir to take him into Mordor. Which, I mean, is not, it's, it's not like, I'm not saying this is like <laughs> life to death, death to life, but I just kind of like it. Yeah. Um. So what did they do? But take off. Well, Gandalf yeah. is like, we need to go quick. And, Gwaihir is like, yeah, we're going to go faster than the North Wind. We're going to go faster than the Nazgul. We're going to be like... We're going to so go anyway, Speed Racer we... Mach 5 fast. <laughs> uh, yes. So they 
then um, the the narrative then cuts to where we ended last chapter uh, with the very last line, which was a nice befitting l- line for the end of a chapter, which is, I'm glad that you were here with me, said Frodo, here at the end of all things, Sam. But then here we get the continuation of that, and it is, yes, I am with you, Master, said Sam, laying Frodo's wounded hands, blah, blah, blah. And then this is actually when Sam does that says that thing about, hey, Frodo Ninefinger. I mean, I know Sam was not actually very good in it, and it was very sweet, but... <laughs> Abe, it's just kind of funny. Yeah. Well, it doesn't even, so, even he, he note that it's going to be like great stories, like hearing about uh, Baron and Luthien and how Baron had lost his yeah, hand. Because and the, yeah. He references yeah. Baron one hand Baron and the great jewel, hand. which I, yeah. I have, I have beat in so many times the uh, importance of the Silmaril and then the light of Arendelle and all of that. Like it all comes for full circle. I don't need to explain this anymore. If you want me to explain <laughs> it again, listen to the five times over the past, like, three months that I've geeked out about this story um, because, Hey, look, what do they have with them? The file of Galadriel. I'm starting to do this. So I need to stop now. They do. Yeah, the, oh my God. The parallels though, between like, Oh, Baron one hand of Frodo nine finger. Like, yeah. Oh, it's, oh yeah. It's, 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 it's delicious. I love it. Delicious. Uh, but uh, yeah, so all this is happening and, you know, Frodo is for Frodo has lost all hope. Uh, it says, you know, basically the world's ending. Uh, this is this is not going to go well, and uh, Sam kind of manages to get Frodo to go a little ways down the road, but it doesn't seem to do them much good because uh, in something that I'm sure Chase appreciated very much, there is a huge fiery vomit that's rolling uh, mm-hmm. down the mountain mm-hmm. uh, around them, and so basically rolling, they're rolling, uh, rolling, keep that vomit <laughs> rolling. <laughs> no, uh, they're they're going to be engulfed in flames and lava at any moment now, and uh, yeah, this is when Sam is kind of lamenting that he'll never, you know, hear the end of how their tale will be told, and then you know, t- talking talking of this this hypothetical song of nine fingered Frodo in the Ring of Doom, and it's it's this great and kind of sad. Uh, sort of contemplation of death, I think, and how one's own story uh, can continues or doesn't continue past the end, and that's kind of uh, I don't know. It's 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 just kind of sad. Uh, and so right at this moment, as they have basically accepted the end, Guai here spots them. Like like um, I almost imagine like that. There's almost like a like there's all this cloud and everywhere. And there's just like this like clearing moment and they just like come through the hole and they're able to like pick them out. It's like all too perfect. Yeah. Well, it's also, you know, even in real life, like Eagles are renowned for their ability to spot tiny little things. Well, you know, theatricality. Frodo and Sam are mice to these hungry Eagles. (laughs) But instead of eating them, our great Eagle friends just swoop down and lift them into the air. And uh, when next we catch up with our hobbits, just moments later, Sam has woken and discovers that he is no longer, you know, at the end of the world. Uh, He's on a soft bed and there's, you know, sunlight and sweet air. Yo, guys, I had a crazy long dream. (laughs) It says the first thing when Sam wakes up is that he recognizes the fragrance of a thillion. Yep. Yeah, and then you know, as as is quite uh, quite reasonable for a hobbit in his situation, for a moment he thinks that he's been dreaming this whole time, 
uh, you know, since since he lit that fire in Athelion when they were captured by Faramir and his men, he thinks, oh, I've been dreaming all this time. Uh, but then, no, he turns and sees Frodo, uh, who is sleeping and remembers the hand with only nine fingers now. And uh, no, all that did happen. And so he yells in surprise. And this the, the response he gets is great of course because it's Gandalf who tells him you are in Athelion and the king is waiting for you and Gandalf is first of all a he's speaking to Sam and b he's in white which of course Sam has not seen yet um so it's there's it's this you know joyous reunion and Sam is giddy and you know jumps up and uh you just can't help but smile i think at 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 sam in these in these pages because <laughs> well, like especially like the description of i guess it's gandalf's laugh right yes. here where it says like gandalf says something and then he and like he like he's asked like like sam asks like gandalf like how did you come back what's going on what's happened to the world and all gandalf says is a great shadow has departed and laughed and the sound was like music or like water in a parched yeah. land, which something about reading that hit me in a really nostalgic spot. I don't know why, but it really added to this chapter, especially just like the fact that all Gandalf says is the deed's done, basically. Yeah, yeah. All it's all it's all good. Exactly. I, we don't. I don't need to explain anything. Just yeah, it's over. And I think that with the combination of pure laughter, because it was you know Sam had not heard like actual laughter in how many how many days how many weeks and yeah that so that 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 line of the the laugh like music or like water in a parched land i think is like one of the most perfect uh similes yeah well so then so then sam is just like oh yeah frodo uh how is he doing (laughs) Uh, i hope he's all right he's had a cruel time and then Frodo gets up and he's like, oh, actually, I'm pretty good, all things considered. And then Frodo teases him and is like, I've actually been, I woke up this morning and you overslept. You know, <laughs> uh, and then Noon is like, or Noon is like, Sam is like, oh, yeah, it's noon on what day? And Gandalf is like, oh, well, it's the 14th of the new year, which means it's, it's April 8th in the Shire, but the new year is now celebrated at the end of March to commemorate the day that Sauron was destroyed. That was like, I, I love how it says like the fourth of the new year. Even I was reading that going like, what? And then like he explains and I'm like, God, Gandalf. <laughs> I was talking riddles. Well, but we also get another nice, uh, uh, note. Like there's a, there's a footnote in the text about, you know, Shire reckoning and how the calendar works now, because, you know, uh, momentous dates in in middle earth kind of guide the calendar and this is the most momentous of them all perhaps the 25th of march the downfall of sauron uh so yeah wait okay hold on one one second so this is technically the fourth age now right we are 14 days in the fourth age correct yep okay now this is also like very important and auspicious because uh not that there was a universal system for most of human history, but it was very common to celebrate New Year's Day on the 25th of March uh, during the Middle Ages in most European countries. Um, it's ca- called Lady Day in some countries, and 
was celebrated as the new year in some places, such as Scotland, as late as 1600. So, yeah. It, it, this, there's like historical reference for this. This is why it's March 25th. Because remember, Tolkien was trying to create a prehistory for Britain. And so, hey, look, there's this weird British custom that people followed until just a couple hundred years ago. <laughs> like, you know, it's, it's yes. Yeah, so. I, yeah I, I, I love those things. Uh, but yeah, speaking of uh, speaking of this uh, this 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 you you are being brought to the king and the king is waiting for you. Uh, who is this king, Gandalf? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, of course, Gandalf's response is you know veiled, you know not. Uh, it was the king of Gondor. <laughs> that's who he is. Yeah, the king of Gondor, um, and. Uh, He's, you know, he's, he's, he's going soon to be crowned, but he, but he's waiting for you. And I also, I really like how Gandalf tells them that they're going to be wearing their kind of ratty clothes that they have. Uh, you know, so the crowning of a king is this, you know, great and royal moment, right? And uh, you probably should wear your best for that, shouldn't you? But Gandalf specifically wants them in the stuff that they were wearing when they destroyed the ring, which would also inherently be dirty. He says, even the orc rags that you bore in the black land, Frodo, shall be preserved. No silks and linens, nor any armor or heraldry could be more honorable. But later, I might find some other yeah. clothes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So this, I will yeah. say, this is like super duper, super, super, super Catholic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like... I don't know how many of you out there are Catholic or have studied Catholicism, particularly like European Catholicism, which is very different from American Catholicism. But when I first went to Italy eight years ago, I was like really, really, really shocked because you go into a church and there's a room that's just a reliquary and it's like full of like arms of dead people or like the third digit of their finger. Like Catholicism is all about this like very physical tactile kind of relationship to 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 things that have borne witness to events experiences you know stuff like that and so like in this moment this is super catholic because Gandalf is like the clothes that you wore you know these are a relic of your journey and these will bear witness to you know your struggle and your power and your accomplishment exactly but he does he does give them uh before before they leave gives them their gifts from Galadriel which he was keeping safely for them of course Frodo's file and Sam's box uh, and then leads them out of the the woods where they have been resting and recovering and uh, immediately as they leave the woods they see knights and guards and uh, these men turn and they bow before the hobbits ah uh. It's already starting to kill me. Yeah, and uh, you know, people all around them are, you know, beginning to yell and sing their praise, praise the ring bearers. Which again, ring bearers. Uh, yeah, that was my note. It was like specifically ring bearers. Yeah, which uh, we talked about previously of Sam being a momentary ring bearer and that being important and that you know uh, lending to his uh, kind of personal understanding of certain things. Uh, but yeah, they they're being treated with much respect, and uh, they continue on, and they see where uh, the king's throne is, where there are 
three seats actually with with banners of our three great leaders that we've been uh, following these past several chapters. Uh, the banner of, of course, King now Amer, Prince Imrahil, and in and lastly but not least, uh, the banner of the king. And uh, now they see this man seated on the throne. Guess what? It's Strider. Yeah, but it, but looking similar and different yeah, at the same time. Yeah, I like how they don't quite recognize him as first at first, but as they get closer, they do. But but he looks different, in like different, but but not different to what we've seen glimpses of before. I would say, you know, we've yeah. we've seen over and over several times where Aragorn would have some kind of like regal air about him, and so this is like Aragorn in his final regal form. <laughs> Absolute regality. <laughs> and so Sam is like kind of shocked, He's like Strider, what? <laughs> and then Aragorn <laughs> does what he did in the Houses of Healing too, where he's like a little smarmy and he's like, We've come a long way since Bree Sam was when you didn't originally trust me. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Aragorn sounds like now. That's yeah, the legal in you accent. in your head. I um, I I don't think so. <laughs> but then I love how immediately Aragorn's like doesn't he bow to him right yes. there? Like he bowed his knee before them and taking them by the hand, Frodo upon his right, Sam upon his left, he led them to the throne and setting them upon it, he turned to men and captains who stood and spoke so that his voice rang out, praise them with great praise. Yeah. So our hobbits are receiving quite the treatment. Uh, and remember, they're still wearing rags, which is great. Yes. Yeah. Again, that's not lost on, yeah. I guess, either Aragorn or G- Gandalf. So, yeah. So, and so our, our, well, our our little hobbits are, you know, we we've we've made note of throughout throughout the text, uh, hobbits being, you know, feeling small or insignificant, um, or uh, even being uh, met with kind of like dubiousness uh where people will find them suspicious um or even you know like strange and certainly unheard of and now they're being treated like kings and of course to sam's great delight there is a minstrel of gondor who is going to sing to you of frodo of the nine fingers and the ring of doom can we just and sam just can't contain his excitement (laughs) i I came up with that that was my idea i came up with that just love this moment because it's wonderful But I also really like so so you know that this minstrel sings them this song of Frodo of the Nine Fingers and the Ring of Doom, and I really, I've always found this next passage really remarkable. So the minstrel sings, until their hearts wounded with sweet words overflowed, and their joy was like swords, and they passed in thought out to regions where pain and delight flow together, and tears are the very wine of blessedness. So it's this. I mean, yeah, oh, there's this overjoyed uh, feeling, but at the same time, that's like perfectly mixed with uh, pain, which I've always found this striking and interesting. All right. Well, after this, uh, they move to kind of a different event. And this is when Gandalf gives them the promised new clothes. And uh, 
then after they get dressed and they're kind of a little more clean and their tattered clothes are set aside with, with like in an honored place, um, Gandalf comes up and is like, oh, yeah, here, Frodo, this is your elven cloak and here's your mithril. And Frodo's like, what? And then <laughs> Gandalf is also like, and here's the sword that you had on you. And Frodo's like, I don't need a sword. And Gandalf is like, it's appropriate that you carry one for ceremonial purposes. And so Frodo is like, okay, I'm taking this one. Sam, sting is yours. Uh, you know, as previously discussed. And Sam is like, no, Mr. Frodo, Bilbo gave that to you. And he's like, Frodo's like, no, Sam, Sam, Sam. <laughs> and they, they look into what? each other's what? eyes and there's kind of a moment of longing. He's like, Sam, that sword is yours. Sorry, I'm like really, really not reading doing well into it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so then they, this is, it's a, it's a kind of a dinner and they're at a, or a feast, I guess. And they're, seated at the king's table with Gandalf and King Amer of Rohan and Amrahul and, of course, the king himself. Um, and also Gimli and Legolas. And guess who appear but a steward each of the kings of Rohan and Gondor. And they're awful young now, boys to be stewards of the kings. Right? Yeah, they so even know, like, when they're letting boys into this whole thing. And then, like, oh, there's a sudden realization. Oh, wait. But no. It is our friends, Merry and Pippin. And, uh... I, I, I just I, I just have to love Pippin, I mean, as I always do in this moment, though, because Pippin basically, like, Sam wants to ask him all these questions, and Pippin's like, ask Gandalf. <laughs> and uh, says, yeah. you know, we're, and, and one point, we're busy like, now, we're knights. Either Mary or Pippin is like, we actually have jobs now, we're knights for Rohan and Gondor, so yeah. we'll talk later, okay? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and but and they do after the feast. Uh, Sam and Frodo get to sit with Gandalf and Merry and Pippin, and then Legolas and Gimli join them, and they are kind of catching up about everything since the breaking of the Fellowship. Yeah. Well, I shouldn't say everything though, because of course there's still not all stories are are told. Because how how could they all be told in one night? Um. But and I I. Is Sam, of course, is bewildered at 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 Merry and Pippin, uh, because they've both grown or seem to have grown. Mm-hmm. He says, mm-hmm. you know, like you're you're taller than you should be, and Gimli uh, chalks it up to Ent Ent draft, and Sam doesn't know what that is, and that's gives us uh, what I so what I was just saying. Uh, Sam says like, oh, it's gonna take weeks for all of this to 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 be caught up. <laughs> well and not only that he says we're going to have to lock you up in a room Mr. Frodo yeah. so you can write this all down before you forget it otherwise Mr. Bilbo is going to be really disappointed <laughs> <laughs> it harkens back to that uh, uh, w- w- what chapter was it where they interact with Bilbo and Bilbo was like oh you're going to have such great stories and, blah, 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 blah. and we were sitting there going like yeah we don't know how this is all going to turn out man well, and also well, there was a very early uh, note too, where Frodo—I think it was in the Barrow Downs, where Frodo uh, was like chastising himself for uh, not taking, not uh, for not having a good enough story for Bilbo or something like that. Yeah, exactly. And then um, at now. this point, Gandalf kind of puts a kibosh on things. He's like, "Okay, well, the the hands of the king are hands of healing." And he brought you from the brink of death and he had great power, but you got, and you, you, you literally slept for 14 days, but you guys still should probably get to bed now. <laughs> and then Gandalf kind of chuckles. He's just like, and I mean you too, Pippin, uh, because 
I know that you've been up for a lot longer, but I was the one who dug you from under that dwarf, that, uh, that, that dwarf. I'm not dwarf. Sorry. I was the troll. one who drug. Blah, blah, blah. I can't speak. Somebody that please. thing, that thing, that troll thing. Yeah. I can't speak any better though. <laughs> well, yeah. Gim, okay. Gimli pulled Pippin, uh, out from under the, uh, the troll. Yeah, and Gandalf is like, I have to thank Gimli for this. For now, I know what it, and a hobbit foot looks like for exposed. That was the only part of you I could see. <laughs> because for some reason, stupid little Pippin, why did you let an entire troll fall on top of you? And then he's like, when I saw you at first, I thought you were dead and could nearly have torn my beard out for, for all of like, you know. But yes, anyway, Gandalf is happy. That's actually the part that made me the most emotional. I'm kind of betraying the end of the show. But my favorite part of this chapter is when Gandalf basically was like, I was having an emotional breakdown at the sight of your dead body, Pippin, and then you weren't dead, so thank you. Also, at one point or another, Pippin is like, yeah, Gandalf has definitely changed, but he laughs more. It's nice. Yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> at, yeah at the feast, I, I, I liked that moment too. You're saying that you know Gan- Gandalf seemed more like lighthearted and and that uh yeah he he laughs basically mostly (laughs) and so then they wake up uh the next morning and they're catching up a little more and sam's hearing a lot and sam they're all all just sharing stories with each other and sam mentioned seeing the oliphants and somebody's like oh yeah there were like dozens of them at the siege of gondor and they were all killed and poor sam gets very upset at this yeah but uh, then we get a kind of a short summation of what the captains of the West do. Um, the The day is nearing May now, and um, so the captains of the West kind of go down to Asgiliath and eventually make the round back up to the Pelennor uh, and, and wait, uh, gather again outside the city. Um, and the, the description of the city, of course, being great, uh, the city that had passed through the darkness and fire to a new day, which indeed it has, uh, and they're getting ready for the king to enter the gates finally at last. Yeah. And I don't know. I just love that. The the last line is so beautiful. And there in the midst of the fields, they set up the pavilions and awaited for morning for it was eve of May and the king would enter his gates with the rising of the sun. Yeah. It actually reminded me a lot of the end of The Plague, which is one of my favorite books and came out probably five or six years before Return of the King came out. However, the end of The Plague is is beautiful and a very kind of, uh, I don't know. I don't want to betray it. Everybody should read The Plague. It's a great book. But they're very different endings. Yeah. with regards to their stories, but they're both kind of, so the plague is the, is a book about a city that is kind of forced to exile itself because the plague comes to the city. So they cut off all contact. And at the end of the book, um, one of the main characters is looking at the city kind of healing and rebuilding itself. And this is kind of the same thing, you know? So just, they're both two very beautiful, beautiful images that, that strike me. Um, Yes. A new age is dawning. Yeah. A new age is dawning and things are almost feels like growing pains of sorts. It's probably a bad word for that, but whatever. Yeah. 
So uh, with this, um, well, I, wanna- I kind of betrayed my favorite. Well, I want to before because I I had one one thing that I wanted to basically talk about at the end of this chapter before we move on to our favorites. Uh, was this? Um, so I talked about uh, you know the, the 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 shadow kind of dissipating so easily and quickly, uh, but also that image of uh, that we had at the very beginning of Gandalf standing there, you know, in in white and uh, with no shadow on him. It's because he's a bride. Uh, no, it's it's because it's because he is he is the fulfillment and epitome of what the Istari should be. You know. Yes, I mean he was created and sent to Middle Earth for that reason. Yeah, and I just I, that image is something that always uh, s- strikes me, and uh, that and the the kind of uh the 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 visual representation of the downfall of Sauron and that the darkness just dissipates in the wind uh, is uh, something that I always really like that image and it was even the image of it was likened to a hand like you know as if Sauron had his grasp over uh over Middle Earth but then, like the the, it, it dissipates in the wind. Hmm. So, with that, what were your favorite moments from the text? I already betrayed mine. So, well, the thing is, you also betrayed mine too, because mine was the same thing. <laughs> I just love that bit of. Well, you know what? It was a little bit before then. I I really like the. There's a bit that says that comes from. Uh, Gimli where he says um, around that same part to uh, and not only Sam and Frodo here said Gimli but you too Pippin I love you if only because of the pains you have cost me which I shall never forget I love that bit that was my favorite line from the entire chapter just for the (laughs) Pippin I love you if only the pains you have cost me (laughs) I just I love the banter of these characters, and it was very nice to have them all back together in one place, even if it's going to be brief. Well, except for Boromir. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> uh, I think uh, I've so I've talked about a couple of moments in the chapter that I really like, but there's one that uh, I don't think we. Uh, discuss and it's so when Sam wakes up in Athelion and he's uh, talking to Gandalf and um, he's you know kind of joyous and and then he kind of he he cries uh, and I forget what was what was Gandalf saying hold on I have to find it um, da, 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 da. Oh, uh, so it's yeah so you know he says Gandalf I thought you were dead blah 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 um, and then Gandalf, Gandalf's response of, you know, that the great shadow has departed and then he laughs. And then we had that great uh, uh, simile of what, what Gandalf's life uh, laugh was like. And then Sam, after that, I really also enjoyed. Uh, so Sam kind of is crying and also laughing. And uh, so the transition of the tears into laughter is described so beautifully i think and it says then as a sweet rain will pass down a wind of spring and the sun will shine out the clearer his tears ceased and his laughter welled up and laughing he sprang from his bed and i've always liked that 
I love Sam. Sam's the best. Yeah, it's true. She'll be more like Sam. Especially after last week. Jeez. Except for the whole losing hope part. But anyway, you know. Everyone. The point is, is heroes aren't perfect. Yeah, everyone loses. One of the points of the story. Everyone loses hope at one point. Everyone does. Yeah. Even our dear, precious Sam. All right. Well, anything else? Or shall we segue to... My 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 favorite thing of the weeks are going to be very similar over the next. It's going to be like like last week. I'm sorry, everybody, but I'm very excited about one thing in particular. <laughs> Go for it. Mine is simple and sweet. I finally did an escape room after meaning. Oh to yeah. Do it, uh, it was my it was my team outing at work. We went to one in New York on 32nd Street, so right there in K Town, and. Uh, we not only did we escape the room, but we escaped the room with ten minutes and fifty-one seconds remaining. I've met all of your Squarespace so. people. You guys are a bunch of smart people, nerds. Well, yeah, that too. Yes, it was. Well, actually, it was great because the one we did was themed after like an alien attack, which there actually weren't aliens at all. It was just like spaceship themed. So, but every, all the text was in Russian, and that was part of like oh. the puzzle. You had to kind of like yeah, figure out the that's Russian. Cool. So I walk in there. And when you walk in, like they have a guide, like take you in and kind of show you a couple things and, you know, talk you through getting started. And as we're walking in, like before the guide even starts talking, I look at a console and it says like navigation uh-huh. display in Russian. And I turn, I was like, oh, hey, everybody, this says navigation huh? display. Huh. And the guy, guide kind of sighs and she's like, there's always someone who's Russian. <laughs> and she was like kind of disappointed. And the thing is, I don't really speak Russian that well. Katie. Yeah. Say what? Izvinitia, vote you with my autobus. Katie and I took Russian together like nine years ago, and that's all I remember. So, I I I I knew it read navigation console because it's was like phonetically identical. But other than that, like I can't read Russian. So then, like she leaves, and we get started. And my coworker Chris, who is like brand new, we you know only been on my team for like a month and a half. Very shy and quiet. Out of the corner, he peeps up and he's like, "Okay, guys, this one says weapons. This one says blah blah blah." Chris is fluent <laughs> in Russian and had never told any of us. So that was a lovely discovery. Yeah, it was great. It's a great thing to do with a, a team, uh, your, your, your work team, too, because you get to work together. You get to mix things up. And, you know, so anyway, highly enjoyed it. And then we got, uh, since we were in K-Town, Koreatown, we got Korean fried chicken and listed uh. K-pop. And as it turns out, the, 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 the uh, way to my manager's heart is to ply him with crispy chicken and hyper-produced pop music because he was just like loving every second of it. Korean fried chicken is like in the top pantheon of excellent fried chicken up there with Memphis fried chicken. Oh, you, mm, that's a happy place for me. All right. Well, Chase, uh, we can go on a chicken. Oh, I love Korean fried chicken so much. I've made it. Katie, were you there when I made Korean fried chicken? I don't remember. It was like February last year. Maybe. Oh, yeah, I made Korean fried chicken once, and oh my, yeah, I love I love Korean fried chicken and Memphis fried chicken. They're two of the best. Um, I have fried chicken on the mind because we're writing a paper on fried chicken here pretty soon. Um, so, Katie, what was your favorite thing of the week? Uh, my favorite thing of the week is very short and sweet. Um, Stranger Things is renewed for season two, and I'm excited. That's it. That's it? Yeah. Okay. Maybe I'll finally see season it. one. I'm almost done with Orange is the New Black. I only have one episode left. 
Yeah, I'm getting closer yeah. on catching up on things. I'm not because my life has become work, then school, then work, then school. But again, I, I think I said it last week, I never felt more fulfilled in my entire life than I do right now. Um, but um, so my favorite thing of the week is going to be another culinary school thing. So sorry, everybody. It, they're going to be like this for a little while. But the culinary school I'm going to, Institute of Culinary Education, uh, has its own hydroponic garden. And so if you basically it's like um, LED lights and no soil. All the plants are planted in super nutrient dense uh, water that also has a lot of oxygen in it. Uh, so it's basically like basically all of the herbs for the school are grown. They're trying to get to the point where they can have all of the they can have all the produce, but they're just trying to settle with uh, they all the herbs. All the herbs are grown in there, but that's about all they can do right now. Well, that's super cool. I've always wanted to buy one of those little like countertop, you know, aquaponic. Yeah. I, why can't I not talk today? Well, they have but one of those I, at the front desk. I want to buy too. one of those countertop herb growers, but I don't know. The last thing I'm going to say about it though is, I tried. See, all the everything in there is like absolutely optimal growing situations so i had this basil that not almost knocked me off my feet because it was the most intense peppery basil i've ever had in my entire life and this is just like standard geneva it's an italian word there's a french wait genovese yeah genovese uh basil uh i gotta get used to saying these words but you know it's gonna take time uh but it was like spicy and it was because it was so it was just perfect basil it was it it, it was incredible you said incredible and now i have da 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 stuck in my head all right well thanks for listening everyone before we leave i'd like to give a thank you once again to our patreon supporters uh thank you so much for chipping in and helping support our podcast we really appreciate every single one of you and also of course all of our listeners and your notes and tweets and whatnot we love hearing from you so much so once again thank you to our patreon supporters Ryan Hepler, Brian Osborne, Kevin Reynolds, Dana Victor, Jason Savage, Mike Williams, Anna Dunlany, Ji Yang Hua, Kyle Thompson, Michael Smith, Tariq, Ignatius Pendergraph, Devin Mann, Ariel Alm, Adam Kahn, Charlie, Ben Goldstein, Madison Roberts, Aaron Crawford, Benjamin John Macy, Avon McMaster, Jacob Verma, and Michael Laney. All right, and join us next week, everybody, for Chapter 5, The Steward and the King. Yeah. I'm John. I'm Katie. And I'm Chase. I almost said Katie on accident, but I'm Chase. You're not me. (laughs) No, no, I'm not. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Talking Tolkien. You can find us online at talkingtolkien.com, and you can send us an email to the professor at talkingtolkien.com. We do our best to respond to each email, so please let us know about your thoughts, theories, and themes you'd like us to discuss in the show. We are also Talking Tolkien on Facebook and Twitter, and we love hearing from you. If you're not already a subscriber, you can find us on iTunes and Stitcher. We would particularly appreciate it if you would give us a rating on iTunes, as it really helps us to show up in searches and reach a new audience. We also have a Patreon page where you can donate as little as $1 per month to help our podcast grow. Through your generous support, we've been able to purchase many new pieces of equipment, helping us bring you a better-sounding, more professional podcast. Nothing makes us more excited than a new pledge, and we greatly appreciate all the support we've received so far. 